You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 17. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for episode number 17 of the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I am a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and my goal is to simplify Facebook ads for you so you know exactly what it takes to be successful creating your high-converting campaigns. In today's episode, I'm sharing what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And I just got back from podcast movement. So you might hear it in my voice that by the end of the week, you know, we are all podcasters there and uh, we like to talk a lot. So by the end of the week, I noticed that a couple of my friends were starting to lose their voices and mine started to (laughs) sound like this as well. So I'm doing okay. I actually just sound worse than I do. So I'm hoping I don't sound too horrible, but I'm feeling great. I just have this little tickle in my throat, but we are going to power through. We've got a lot to cover on today's episode. So the goal of today's episode is to share with you what is working now in 2019 when it comes to Facebook and Instagram ads. Now, if you're wondering how I am qualified to share this with you, well, as I mentioned earlier, I am a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than $1 million in ad spend and served more than 500 students and clients. And we are in the trenches every day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. The goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And of course, Facebook ads can be an important part of that. So while not every episode is about Facebook ads, I definitely want to keep you updated on what's working now so that when it's time for you to use them as part of your marketing plan, you have the information you need. Now, if you're ready to get started with Facebook ads, then I invite you to check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit complements today's episode really well as it takes you through these six steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus, there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure that you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager. And if you like me, you love a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. Some of what I'm going to share with you today is going to be more higher level advanced strategies. So if you are new to Facebook ads or you want to brush up on the foundations, then I encourage you to listen to episodes three and five if you haven't already. Episode three is where I break down the three pillars of high converting campaigns. So that's what it really takes to have success with your campaigns. And episode five is where I walk you through the six steps to creating campaigns that convert. So you can find those episodes at monicalouie.com slash three and monicalouie.com slash five. And I have talked about Facebook ads on a number of other episodes as well. So I'll put all of those in the show notes. And so for today's episode, you can find all the links and the resources that I mentioned at monicalouie.com slash 17. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 17. Okay, so we have a lot to cover today and I wanna get right into it, but here is just a taste of some of the topics that I will be talking about with you today. I'm going to share the strategies that are working today. I'm gonna break those down for you. We're gonna talk a lot about campaign budget optimization, about what it is and why you need to pay attention to it. We're gonna talk about best 
practices for targeting, what's working now, some things that I want you to try, and then testing versus scaling and how your campaign strategy might need to change depending on which phase you're in. We're also going to talk about creatives that convert and a whole lot more. So let's dive in to what's working now with Facebook and Instagram ads. So I want to start off by talking about strategies that are working today. I'm going to be sharing three key strategies that are working for our clients today. And the first one is for bloggers or anyone really doing affiliate marketing. And that strategy is to drive traffic to a monetized blog post. So you have a blog post where you're providing value and it can be monetized with ad networks, so the display ads that you'll see on websites, but it can also be monetized with affiliate marketing. And that's where we really see where this strategy can work really well and we can scale things up with our clients. So we are getting costs as low as six cents and seven cents. Right now, I'm recording this in August of 2019. Right now, we have costs as low as six and seven cents, but generally our costs for the strategy fall in the six to 10 cent range. So it can be a very low cost strategy to get started with. You can start with a low budget and then scale up as you see the results that you're wanting to achieve, but the cost will actually depend on how niche the topic is. So if you are driving traffic to a blog post that is on a very specific, super niche topic that only a small population is going to be interested in, then your costs are likely going to be higher. But if your topic is more general, more broad, that a lot of people are interested in, and you can find a good size audience for those people on Facebook, then your costs will likely be cheaper. And for me and my team, we are always shooting to get costs as low as 10 cents and much lower, of course. So this is a great strategy when you are just starting out with Facebook ads to kind of test the waters and kind of understand how creating campaigns works. What all goes into creating a campaign? How does targeting work? How do you construct the ad? This is a great strategy to get started with, but for many of my clients, we've been doing this strategy for several years now and it's still working really well. So the key here is, is that your affiliates need to convert. So your blog post actually has to convert with those affiliates that you're promoting and you need to be earning enough from those affiliates where it makes sense for you to spend some money on driving traffic to those blog posts. So if you can narrow in on how much you are making per blog post, so per page view for that blog post, then that's going to be a really great strategy for you to start with because then you can see, okay, well, if I'm making 30 cents per page view for this blog post, then I know that I'm making great money if I get my cost per page view down at 10 cents or below, and you even have wiggle room to go higher than that too. In fact, we even started a new campaign this week, and it's only a few days into the campaign, and it's already down to 7 cents. So using this strategy, we've done it across hundreds of different blog posts getting costs in the six to 10 cent range. So I think it's a great strategy. It's a great one to get started with. So one thing to remember is that you want to optimize for landing page views when you have the pixel installed on your website. So it's super important to get that pixel installed on your website. And when you have it there, that just means that your website is going to be able to communicate with Facebook and provide data to Facebook. And one data point that is going to be providing to Facebook is when people go from the ad and then hit the landing page that you're driving traffic to. So when you've got the pixel installed on your blog post, then Facebook can see, okay, these people that we're showing the ad to, they're clicking through and they're loading the landing page. So those are the type of people that we want. Let's go ahead and optimize and show it to more people who are also likely to click through and load the content. So that's why it's important to have the pixel installed so that Facebook can help you optimize your results so that you can get your costs even lower. So driving traffic to a monetized blog post is the first strategy that I want to let you know is still working today in 2019. This is a great strategy. And one of my clients shared with me that just one affiliate that we've been driving traffic to, that he's going to make 
50% more from that one affiliate than he ever did in his day job. He told me that, and that is so exciting. So even just one affiliate can pay off for you, but of course, the more affiliates that you have that convert that you're driving traffic to via you know your website um, and driving leads to on your website, then the better affiliate marketing is going to work for you, and it can work very nicely with Facebook ads. All right, the second strategy that I want to share with you is driving leads into a sales funnel. So this is always going to be a great strategy via Facebook and or Instagram ads, but this is where you're going to most likely be using conversion campaigns to drive those leads. And right now we are getting costs as low as 47 cents for one client and another client, we've got leads coming in as low as 33 cents. So While it might depend, of course, on your niche, what your offer is, you can still get super low leads on Facebook and Instagram. So I've been hearing rumors that costs are going up, that Facebook ads are getting more expensive, the cost per lead are just, you know, increasing. And it really depends on what the offer is and who the audience is, of course. So again, just like with the traffic campaigns, if your audience is very, very niche, and so you're going to have a very small population of people on Facebook or Instagram who's going to be interested in your offer, then your cost per lead might be higher. But if it's more broad, more general, where a lot of people might be interested in taking advantage of your offer, then your costs may be much cheaper. So just keep that in mind. And then also the return on your investment and the conversion rate will depend on the offer the audience, and the price of the offer. So remember, we are driving traffic into a sales funnel. So we're driving leads into the sales funnel. So the goal is at the end that we're going to have a sale. We're going to have a conversion. And so the return on that investment, of course, will depend on a lot of different factors, but definitely the offer, the audience, and the price of the offer. So as I mentioned, you will most likely be using conversion campaigns for this strategy, but what's important to know is that Facebook needs at least 50 conversions in a seven-day period in order to optimize effectively. So if you are not getting 50 conversions in a seven-day period, then the algorithm is going to have a hard time optimizing the campaign for you. So you might want to think about using a different campaign objective when setting up your campaigns. So you might instead want to optimize for traffic or for reach. And so I'm going to talk about using a reach campaign for retargeting and when you might want to do so. But when you're driving leads into a sales funnel, usually I like to have enough budget, especially when we're working with clients, we want to have enough budget so that we can test a lot of different audiences, test a lot of different ads, and then we can focus in on what's working. And so then we know when we are setting up the campaign that we are going to have at least 50 conversions in that seven-day period. And of course, the cost per conversion might vary depending on what the offer is and what the audience is, but generally you want to have at least $25 a day per campaign that you're driving traffic to in order to give Facebook, give the algorithm enough data to work with. All right. And the third strategy that I want to mention, I kind of hinted at it a moment ago, is retargeting. So we want to remind people, this is when we're going to get back in front of people who have already shown an interest in what we have to offer. So we're just going to remind them that they haven't yet taken advantage of that offer or the offer is still available. We're just going to get back in front of them with a retargeting ad. And with this, of course, you know, as with anything Facebook and Instagram ad related, costs will vary. But right now we have costs per sale as low as $8 for a $97 product. So that is a phenomenal return on investment when it comes to Facebook ads. But again, it definitely will vary depending on what your offer is and who the audience is and how warm that audience is. So as I mentioned, you might want to test running retargeting campaigns as a reach campaign. And usually we do this when we are retargeting a small audience and we have a short period of time to reach them at. So if we're doing a live launch, for example, we're working with a client and they have a limited time promotion that we are driving leads into. Then once the, you know, the cart opens or the, the, 
offer is available, we will run retargeting ads so that the people who have entered the funnel, who have entered and raised their hand to show that they're interested in the topic, at least, that the offer is about or that the uh, product solves, then we will get back in front of them with a retargeting ad. And we generally will set that up as a reach campaign because we know that we've got this smaller group of people, the smaller audience that have shown an interest in this topic, shown an interest in this product, and we want to get back in front of them. However, because of what I mentioned just moments ago, where Facebook needs at least 50 conversions in a seven-day period in order to get enough data, in order to optimize the conversion campaign effectively, if we think that we might not get 50 in that seven-day period, then that's where we will optimize for reach. So the difference between optimizing for reach versus optimizing for conversion is when we optimize for reach, that means that we're telling Facebook our goal is to get that ad shown to as many people in our audience that we select as possible. So the goal is to push the ad out So that's Facebook's main job is we are telling Facebook, push the ad out to as many people in that audience as possible. When we are optimizing for conversions, we're saying, yes, Facebook, we want the ad to show to people, but really our main goal is to get that conversion. So really prioritize showing the ad to people who are more likely to convert. So when we have a smaller audience that we are retargeting, that we're getting back in front of, or we think we're going to have fewer than 50 conversions in a seven-day period, then that's where we will optimize for reach as opposed to conversion. Because if you do this test, and I invite you to do it, if you test a conversion campaign versus a reach campaign, when you see the numbers in the number of people reached column for each of those types of campaigns, you'll likely see that your conversion campaign is reaching far fewer people. And that's because Facebook is just prioritizing showing the ad to the people who are more likely to convert. So it might be showing the ad to a smaller group of people within the audience you select more times in order to encourage that conversion. But when you're showing it as a reach campaign, you can tell Facebook how many times a day, how many impressions you want that ad to have. And you can say in how many days too. So that's the difference when you optimize for conversion. You really want to see that those conversions are actually occurring so that Facebook has enough data to go on in order to properly optimize the campaign. But if that's not going to be likely with because you've got a small audience that you're retargeting or just you know a short time frame and you don't think that you're going to have 50 conversions in a seven-day period, then I definitely recommend setting that up as a reach campaign. So that's what we do with our retargeting in most cases, especially during the live launch situation. And then when you are doing that, when you are retargeting, because you are retargeting a smaller audience as opposed to a look-like audience where they're going to be a colder audience. But with that, I mean, a 1% look-alike audience in the United States is 2.2 million people. So that's a relatively large audience size. So with that, you can be more selective And you'll have a lot more for Facebook to work with as far as the people in that audience. So when you are retargeting though, you want to select all placements available. So if we are driving leads into a sales funnel or we're driving traffic to a blog post, we might narrow in on the placements that we are seeing that are converting the best. So for example, for driving traffic to a blog post, we will normally see that we get the best results on Facebook Newsfeed mobile or Facebook Newsfeed desktop. But audience network, Instagram, some of those other placement options don't usually convert as well for that strategy. So we will test it. I like to test all placements initially, but then as we continue to create new campaigns with that client, then we will just narrow in on the placements that are working. When it comes to retargeting, especially when you're targeting a small audience and a short period of time, then you want to select all placements available. Another tip when it comes to retargeting is that frequency is less important. I hear a lot of people getting concerned. You know, I get a lot of questions about this too, that where, you know, I'm concerned about my frequency. I don't want to burn people out. Well, 
frequency is not something we we like to pay attention to it because we like to keep an eye on it. However, we really, when we're making decisions as to where to put our budget, when to turn things off or increase budgets, when to scale things up, we are paying more attention to the cost per result as opposed to the frequency. So when retargeting, again, if you are in a launch situation where you have a limited time to get in front of your audience who has shown an interest in your product, then you might want to put frequency on the back burner. So, you know, if you've got three days for your sale, for your discount, or for your, you know, limited time bonus that's going away, whatever it is that where you're giving that sense of urgency where people need to act now or the cart is closing, the offer is just going away, then you want to kind of put frequency in the back burner when setting up your campaign and looking at your metrics. So you really want to pay attention to what your cost per conversion is, but just know that frequency is less important because it can take, you know, five to seven touch points for somebody to make that decision. So you don't want to burn people out. So be mindful of the audience and how often you are promoting to them, but just keep in mind that frequency might be less important. And then change up the messaging as needed. I was actually speaking to my Facebook rep the other day and he recommended changing the messaging every two weeks for a retargeting campaign. But our rule is really that unless the content of the ad is seasonal or it's beginning to lose its effectiveness, we will leave the ads running that are performing the best for months on end for evergreen offers. So if the offer is not going away, if the ad isn't seasonal, so for example, we're going into, you know, it's back to school time right now, summer is ending. So during summer, we had ads going that were talking about summer, referencing summer for January for the new year. We'll have ads related to make a new change this new year or now's the time, you know, when people are motivated to make changes in their lives. We'll take advantage of that with the messaging in our copy. So unless your ad is seasonal, then you don't really need to change it too often unless it's losing its effectiveness, of course. So pay attention to that. I mean, that's why we do a lot of tests with different creatives, with different messages in the ad, different ad formats, different types of creatives. So videos, slideshows, static images. We have a lot of tests going and we're always thinking of new ideas because we do know that some ads will work for maybe just a short period of time. Some will perform longer. We've got ads that have been running, at least the concept of the ad has been running for over a year now for one of our clients. And it's just because it's more of an evergreen ad. The messaging hasn't changed. We've only freshened it up as Facebook made the change over this past year to go from the more rectangular images saying that it prefers now the square images. So we changed the ad up to be in accordance with Facebook's best practices and what's going to get the best engagement and view the best on Facebook. But really, we haven't needed to change the messaging of that ad. While that ad is running and continuing to perform, we are continuing to test other ad ideas though, and coming up with those more seasonal ads that might be relevant because those can really grab attention as well. And I will be talking more about ads in a moment, but just keep that in mind, especially when it comes to retargeting, that you might want to change up your messaging for an evergreen offer as needed, but just pay attention to the results, the cost per result. That's really our main metric that we use to make decisions like that. All right, and I want to share a couple of reminders when it comes to tracking your results. So one thing to note is that Facebook consistently underreports results, and this is from what we've experienced. So your results, at least from what we found, are likely better than what you'll actually see reported in the ads manager. Now, rarely do we see the other end where Facebook will over-report results, but it can happen if you haven't set up your custom conversion correctly, especially when running conversion campaigns or driving sales. So that is something that we constantly see is that Facebook will under-report results based on where we're you know, seeing the data come through in other channels. So just keep that in mind that your results are likely actually better than what you can see in Facebook. And then another thing to note is that, you know, a lot of our clients 
like to track where the leads and sales are coming from to measure the effectiveness of the ad strategy. And that is super smart. And that's why I love talking about tracking with guests like Bola from Clever Girl Finance. Uh, She was my guest in episode eight. And Larry Ludwig, we talked a lot about tracking as well in episode 12. So check out those if you have an interest in tracking and want to nerd out on that. Episodes eight and 12 are going to be really great interviews for you to check out. But I want you to keep in mind that ads can contribute to sales that come through other channels. So for example, Someone might see an ad several times and might not buy it at that moment, but the ad contributes to a future decision to purchase the item through a separate channel. So just remember, it might take multiple touch points for somebody to make that decision. So Facebook may or may not be able to attribute the conversion to that ad, depending on where the conversion takes place and how long it's been since they've seen the ad. So one way to think about this is, you know, traditional marketing. So think about this in terms of television commercials. So Mercedes-Benz will run ads consistently knowing that it is reaching people who are not in the market for buying a Mercedes right now. But the hope is that by seeing Mercedes commercials over and over, you'll eventually be swayed to purchase a new car. And when that time comes, they hope that you'll choose Mercedes because they have been top of mind and they're hitting you with their advertisements consistently. So if that's the case, can you attribute the sale to the salesperson only? So let's say you go out and you buy that Mercedes. Can Mercedes attribute the sale to the salesperson who closed the deal? or the last Mercedes commercial that you saw that made you make that decision to go check out and test drive a new Mercedes. So the truth is that it's probably a series of touch points that led to that buying decision. So just keep that in mind when you are thinking about your ad strategy that, you know, just like traditional marketing efforts, that's why we've got commercials, we've got print ads, magazines, There are a lot of different touch points and Facebook ads can be another touch point, even with your, you know, organic social media and maybe your consistent content, whether it be your YouTube videos, your podcast, your blog posts. So hitting people and staying top of mind with your ad strategy can help lead to the eventual sale. And then of course, keep in mind that usually the higher priced the offer is, the more touch points are needed before the conversion occurs. So if you are having a higher priced offer, then you might need more touch points than if you have a lower priced offer. So just keep that in mind as well. All right. So campaign budget optimization, what it is and why you need to pay attention. So campaign budget optimization is where you set up the campaign and enter the budget on the campaign level. And this is different from the way that I've traditionally set up campaigns and what I've traditionally taught, which is where you set up the budget on the ad set level. So when you're creating your campaign, you basically have three levels to your campaign. The campaign is the overarching umbrella that includes the ad set and the ads. So you can have multiple ad sets in each campaign and you can have multiple ads in each ad set. So if you think about folders, you'll have like the bigger folder is the campaign and then you'll have a folder inside or maybe multiple folders that are the ad sets. And within each of those folders, you can then have multiple ads as well. So the way that I've traditionally taught setting up your campaign for testing purposes is by setting up one campaign per offer and then having multiple ad sets in each campaign broken out by audience so that you can test out which audiences are working the best. And then you can also set your budget on the ad set level so that you can be in control of how you're allocating your budget, which audiences you're allocating them to, and then which ads you're allocating them to. So that's why I've traditionally taught having one ad per ad set so that you can test and be in control of how Facebook is allocating your budget. With campaign budget optimization, all of that is changing. (laughs) 
<laughs> and the reason why you need to pay attention is because for months now, Facebook has been telling us that come September, campaign budget optimization is going to be our only option when it comes to creating our campaigns. However, I did get confirmation from my Facebook ads rep at Facebook that the full rollout date has been extended to February. So come September, we are not going to be having our only option be campaign budget optimization. We are still going to have the ability to set our budgets at the ad set level. But eventually in February, from what I'm told now, campaign budget optimization will be our only option. So this is important because my team and I have been testing campaign budget optimization leading up to the, you know, September <laughs> rollout. And so we've been testing it. And so I encourage you, if you have not tested it yet, I encourage you to start playing with it, start testing it so that you can get familiar with it. Because when it comes to our strategies, they're completely changing with campaign budget optimization regarding budgeting, regarding scaling, regarding testing. All of that is changing thanks to the format of campaign budget optimization. It's been an option for a while. It's just that because I like having control over how I'm allocating the budget, I've stayed away from using it. Um, so it's not like it's something that is brand new, but it will be brand new that it will be our only option come February uh, when creating our campaigns. So just keep that in mind. So my Facebook ad rep, he told me that at minimum, he recommends starting with a campaign level budget of $25 per day so that Facebook can have a good amount of data. And if you've got more to, to put towards your budget, then totally cool. But if you are working on a smaller budget, then it's not to say it won't work for you, but I just wanted to pass that along that that's what he recommended so that the algorithm will have enough to work with. I still think you can have success with Facebook ads at five or $10 per day. Obviously, the more that you can put toward it then the faster the algorithm will be able to collect data and help you optimize the campaign. So just wanted to make a note about that. So with campaign budget optimization, we have been testing it, as I mentioned. So we are testing it with our clients' campaigns, and we are finding actually so far when we've tested campaign budget optimization versus the traditional ad set level optimization that we are having better results and lower costs using campaign budget optimization. So this means that you will set your budget on the campaign level and then you'll set up your ad sets with your different audiences and your different ads like normal. But Facebook will then decide on the fly how much of your budget it's going to put toward each ad set and toward each ad within each ad set. So that is the algorithm making that decision and taking the decision away from us, basically. <laughs> there are rules that you can set up within the ad set, but we found that Facebook doesn't always completely comply with those parameters that we give it. So if you really want to kind of go around the system and really want to stay in full control over how your budget is being allocated, then that just means that you'll be setting up multiple campaigns. Once campaign budget optimization is fully rolled out, then you'll be setting up multiple campaigns and then allocating your budget within each campaign. So just keep that in mind. However, we have been having really great results with campaign budget optimization. And so it seems like letting the algorithm do more of that work for us is really paying off. And so I encourage you to test it and give it a try. So one thing to note is that as you are creating your campaigns, that you want to make sure that you are keeping your audiences in each campaign in a similar size. So that means like if you are testing a bunch of lookalike audiences, for example, and so 1% lookalike audience in the United States is 2.2 million people, that you'll want to group those audiences in a campaign. And then because you're placing the budget on the campaign level, it'll allocate accordingly, as opposed to combining the lookalike audiences with your warm audiences, which are traditionally going to be smaller audiences. So if you are 
creating audiences of your email list. Maybe you've got 5,000 people on your email list. Then that's going to be a radically different size audience than your lookalike audience of 2.2 million people. So what we recommend doing is separating out your warm audiences into its own campaign. So then you can put that budget, maybe it's a smaller budget, toward those warm audiences that are likely smaller. And then you can put a larger budget toward your cold audiences that are likely bigger. So just keep that in mind when setting up your campaigns. And then also with campaign budget optimization, we are finding that it requires a longer testing period. And this is something that I confirmed with my Facebook ad rep as well, that really it takes two weeks when setting up a new test. You want to give it two weeks. And this is much longer than I have traditionally suggested for your testing period. Normally, I've said you want to give the algorithm at least three or four days in order to start to learn and figure out what's working before you start adjusting budgets. But really now, you want to give it two weeks. And this was confirmed by my Facebook ad rep that the first week is really the learning period, the learning phase. And then the second week is where you can use that data to make decisions. So that's why you want to give it a full two weeks if you can. Now, we did recently work with a client that was going through a launch where the first few days of signups for the launch to join their training series, um, costs were around 6 to $3. But by the end of the week, into the second week, Facebook had begun to optimize because it got through the learning phase and then costs dropped to just over a dollar per lead. So that can show you the big difference that even if costs start high the first day or the first few days, don't panic. You've got to give the algorithm time to learn what's working, who's engaging, who's converting so that it can begin to optimize during that second week. So you will likely want to have a longer testing period when using campaign budget optimization. So campaign budget optimization, it's not fully rolled out yet, but come February, it will. So I definitely encourage you to start testing it right now and just drop me a line. Let me know if you have any questions. You can leave a comment here at monicalouie.com slash 17, the show notes page for this episode, or you can message me on or Instagram um, if you have any questions around this or anything that I've talked about today. But campaign budget optimization, it's changing our strategy. uh, But so far, it seems to be uh, producing good results. So we're continuing to work through it and continuing to test it. All right, what's working now with targeting? So do you have different avatars? This is a question I'm posing to you. Think about your offer. Think about who is right for your offer. And think about, do you have two different avatars or more? Are there different people in different stages of life or different roles? So for example, maybe you have a side hustle opportunity where somebody can make extra money. Um, So maybe one of your avatars is the person who's, you know, stuck in their nine to five job and they're looking for more freedom in their life and they want to make some extra money on the side, but so that they can eventually leave their job or maybe another avatar, you know, they're both looking for, um, for a way to make extra money, but maybe it's a stay-at-home mom who has some time on her hands, but she wants to have that flexibility in her schedule because her kids are young. I know this is where I was a few years ago, but she wants to be able to contribute financially to her household and bring in some extra money. Um, so think about that. Think about your different avatar potential and create different audiences for each avatar. And they might be several audiences for each avatar. And then, of course, translating that to ads, you might have different ad copy for each avatar as well. Another tip is to try some multi-level detailed targeting audiences. So what I mean by this is maybe you found that the lookalike of your buyer's list or your customer list is working really well, but some of the people coming into your sales funnel, you know, you're hearing a common objection of, it's just too much money. I don't have the money right now. I can't afford that. And so maybe you're getting those kinds of objections. And this is something that we've experienced with our clients as well. So what we've done is we will take that audience that is 
performing well lead-wise, but then we'll narrow it down so that we can likely be getting our ads in front of the people who are more likely going to be able to afford the offer. And that's been getting really great results. So just make sure that you don't get too narrowed in on your audience. You still want to have a good size audience, especially when targeting a cold audience, like a lookalike audience. You don't want to go too narrow, but narrowing in and and mixing and matching can really help you with the conversions on the back end. So one example that we did for a client with a high ticket program in the online business niche is we used a detailed targeting audience of people interested in people like Tony Robbins, Amy Porterfield, or Michael Hyatt, but also interested in some luxury brands such as Tory Burch, Gucci, Barney's New York. We had several in there. And so we still had a large audience, but we narrowed in on the people who were interested in those high-profile entrepreneurs, but also interested in those luxury brands because we are offering a higher ticket program on the back end. And that has worked really well. So just think about that what details might you want to mix and match when it comes to your targeting. And you can do this with detailed targeting, or as I said, you can mix and match like with a lookalike audience or lookalike audiences, and then narrow those down accordingly as well. So keep that in mind. Just a couple tips on targeting. Okay, let's talk about testing versus scaling and how your campaign strategy might need to change depending on which phase you're in. So when you're testing, what do I mean by this? When you're testing, that is when you're figuring out which audiences are working the best, which ads are converting the best. You're really learning. You and Facebook are learning what is converting the best, what is getting you the best results at the lowest cost. So when you're testing, you want to separate out your audiences and your ads in separate ad sets. So this is what I've traditionally taught. I like to test out different audiences in different ad sets. So I might have my lookalike of my customers list in one ad set and then my lookalike Facebook fans in another ad set, my lookalike website visitors in another ad set. And then I might have another ad set where I am doing some detailed targeting and creating an audience. And then I will have another ad set where I have my warm audiences. So with campaign budget optimization, remember, we are separating out our warm audiences into a separate campaign. And then in our cold audience campaign or colder audience campaign, that's where we'll have our lookalike audiences and our detailed targeting audiences. So we want to test out which ones are working the best. And then over time, you can likely see that specific lookalike audiences convert much better than other lookalike audiences. So then you know, you know, you can probably put those other ones on hold and just continue to use the ones that consistently perform the best. But then you also want to get creative with testing, you know, new types of audiences or combinations of audiences, like I just mentioned. And then you'll test out different ads. So you'll have different ad formats, and we're going to talk about creatives in just a moment, but you'll test out those different ad formats, different ad combinations as well. So when you're testing, you're going to run the campaign for two weeks, and the first week is the learning phase, and the second week is where you're really going to review the data to make decisions. So this is testing. And so when you are scaling, once you've made those decisions, you see what's working. When you are ready to scale and optimize, this is where you want to condense where possible. So this means you will take your best performing ad sets or your best performing audiences and combine those into the same ad set. So you might still have different ad sets, but you'll be testing different things in each one, but you might combine like audiences into the same ad set. So if you have your lookalike of your Facebook fan page, the people who've actually liked your page, and then you have your lookalike of people who've engaged with your Facebook page, those are probably going to be similar audiences. And if you know that those are converting well, then you might want to combine those into the same ad set. This is where I would combine similar audiences into the same ad set. But 
my Facebook rep did tell me that this is going to work better, especially with campaign budget optimization, where you want to condense where possible. So then this also means that you might have multiple ads in each ad set as well. And then you just put it on the algorithm to make those decisions about how much to allocate to each ad and each ad set when using campaign budget optimization. So you want to condense where possible so that you can scale and optimize and really put the work on the algorithm. Now, when it comes to making budget changes, budget adjustments, decisions regarding the budget, whether you're going to scale up or bring it down if you think that something's, you know, you see that something's not working as well. Facebook told me that if you make a 30% change within seven days, so in a seven-day time period, it will put the campaign, the ad set, back into the learning phase. So you might see a message about this. I know one of my team members saw a message around this the other day, but you might not. But just know that if you are making a 30% adjustment, whether up or down within seven days, then you're likely putting it back into the learning phase, which means that it's basically starting from scratch again, trying to figure out how to optimize. So Facebook recommends adjusting by no more than 20% So this is the budget we're talking about, adjusting the budget by no more than 20% every seven days. So now this means, and I'm making this adjustments with my team in the way that we are adjusting budgets, that every seven days we're looking at the last week's history and seeing how those ads performed, how those audiences performed, and then making adjustments accordingly, but not doing it as consistently as we have been. So this is from Facebook's recommendation. So this is why I'm passing it along to you. And this is something we're going to be testing, but it makes sense because we don't want to be consistently throwing the ad sets back into the learning phase so that the algorithm has to start back from square one to figure out what's working and who to show the ad to. So going forward, we are going to be adjusting budgets no more than by 20% every seven days. And I recommend that you start doing this as well. And so that kind of makes it a little bit easier too, because while we still want to check in on the campaigns and make sure that we are, you know, keeping a pulse on what is working and how things are going, we don't want to be surprised and just tune out from paying attention to our campaigns for a whole week. We want to be checking in on those, but just know that you will be making notes of what you're seeing and then using the data from that seven day time period to make budget adjustments going forward after the seven-day time period. Okay, let's talk about creatives that convert. So with creatives, I did a whole episode on this. Episode 15 was all about crafting creatives that convert. So I don't want to reiterate everything that I said there, but I do want to point out some things that are working now since we're talking about what's working now. So the goal of your ad is to first grab attention and second, entice the audience to take action. Whatever that action may be, whatever your goal of your ad is, whether you want them to watch your video or click through to read your blog post or click through to sign up for your free webinar, whatever that action is you want people to take, your ad needs to entice them to do that. But the ad can't do that if it doesn't grab their attention first. Because as we know, Facebook and Instagram, they're very busy places and there's a lot going on. It's all by design that they want to keep you engaged on the platform. So they throw a lot at you so that you have a lot vying for your attention all at once. So with that, our ads need to create a sense of curiosity. So make your ads engaging and fun, but also keep in mind your audience and who they are and what's going to appeal to them. So you don't obviously don't want to be super silly in your ad if that's not going to resonate with your audience, if that's going to turn them off. But depending on who your audience is, super silly might really be effective in grabbing their attention and enticing them to take action. We know what works well is movement and movement can be in the form of a video, of course. So a video, it can be even as short as 15 seconds or shorter, but as long as it grabs attention, 
with the movement, it will help to grab attention. And then you can have your messaging in the video, which helps to reinforce the messaging in your ad copy and entice the user to take action. So one way that you can grab attention in your video is through movement. So that could be as simple as waving your hands. And so think about like in order to grab attention via video, the first few seconds really has to be engaging. So that can be waving your hands around and maybe not like a crazy person, but just kind of making big, you know, arm gestures, hand gestures uh, during the beginning of your video. If you, if you're one that naturally talks with your hands anyway, then you might want to make sure that like you're kind of really emphasizing your hands in the first few seconds or maybe split second of the video. Or maybe you turn around with the camera so that you've got that movement of there's a change in scenery right from the get-go. Or you change the angle quickly from high to low or low to high. And so Pat Flynn does this really well in his Instagram stories I've been noticing. And I know he does that just because, you know, I'm in this world. I know he's doing that because it helps to grab your attention. It helps you to pay attention so that then you're drawn in and you want to hear what he has to say. And it's because he's changing the angle quickly or he's turning around. So get creative on that. And then another way that you can grab attention with movement is to have graphics going across the screen, or maybe it's a bold statement, you know, in text on the screen at the beginning of your video. And then also you can make GIFs or use boomerang videos. These are really great for grabbing attention and you can create your own GIF using Giphy or you can create boomerangs. Boomerangs, if you don't know what those are, you've probably seen them if you're just not familiar with the term, but it's where you have a movement, it's only like a split second, like maybe a second or two at the most, where it does one movement and then it kind of brings it back and then it does it again and then it kind of goes backwards. So it's really cool for grabbing attention. And so you, there's a standalone Boomerang app. It's from Instagram. If you just search the app store, you'll find it if you enter Boomerang. But then also if you use Instagram, and I encourage you to test this out and to be using this with Instagram, you can find the Boomerang feature when doing your Instagram stories. And so what you can do is you can create the Boomerang. You don't have to post it to your stories if you want to create it for an ad, you can create the boomerang in your Instagram app, save it to your phone, and then upload it to your computer so that you can use it in your ads. So either way, you can create the boomerang or you can create a GIF. Those are working really well for us with our ads because they are grabbing attention. And then also slideshow ads are working well too. And it's really easy to make a super quick video inside of the edit ad screen. So you don't even need to make a video with this or you don't need to have a video. You can make a video using static images and then you can add some music on there and it doesn't have to be very long, but just that little bit of movement will help to grab attention. Another thing for creating engaging ads is carousels. And this is where you have the ad format of multiple images or multiple videos, or it can be a combination of images or videos, but just having that option. And this is where the user will actually scroll through to see what the images or videos are. And that can help to create that engagement with your ad. Now, I want to pass this along to you. This is something that I haven't tested yet, but I think I will. So according to my Facebook rep, the instant experience is underutilized and converts well. So if you don't know what an instant experience is, it is a type of ad that you can find in the edit ad screen where it opens up and it's only on mobile and it opens up into the entire app. So rather than just like if somebody clicks through and it loads the landing page of the URL they entered, it actually, you're creating this mobile experience and it takes up the entire app. So I would definitely look at that. They have different templates for you to use, but I would suggest testing this for conversion campaigns only or maybe brand awareness. I would maybe test it for brand awareness as well. But if you're goal is to drive traffic to a blog post, I don't think this is going to be the best ad format because you want to keep in mind how long you want the audience to engage with your ad. If you're driving traffic to a blog post, then that's where we keep the ad super simple. 
so that we just pique their curiosity. They know to click to read the blog post and engage there. But if you want to build that brand awareness or give them a little bit more information so that when they click through, they're ready to click through and sign up, then you might want to test out the instant experience. And with that, you can use a lead form or you can enter a URL for the landing page that you want to drive traffic to. So test out the instant experience and let me know if you tested out what your results are. This is something I don't see in use very often and that's why I haven't tested it myself because it seems like it's kind of a lot of work to put this together and we know what works already, but it is something I'm curious to try. So I'll report back to you when I try it, but if you've already tested it, let me know. Some other tips for creating ads that are engaging and captivate attention is to use more natural or fun creatives with bright colors. So while we've always seen that bright colors have done well, we are seeing this even more now than ever. So along with more natural or fun images, rather than the more serious images that entrepreneurs have used in the past. So one example is that we've used with one of our clients in the B2B space is where we've used, we've taken the client's headshot and then we have this really bright yellow background, like a neon yellow background, and that helps to grab attention. So think about that. That's something that we've created in Canva. So you can easily create that in Canva as well. And that performed better than the standard images where we've used like a laptop flat lay. So think about being more exciting, more enticing, and more captivating with your ads. But it also might be worthwhile testing different color palettes against each other to see what your audience responds to. So we definitely like to do this when using different clients. So if you have an older audience, they might respond better to more muted colors as opposed to the bright colors. So know your audience, but also be willing to test different colors and different color palettes as well. And then when it comes to copy, Test both long copy and short copy because your audience might respond better to one over the other. And again, this might be, you know, it might change depending on if you have those different avatars like we talked about earlier. So one of our clients, we've been noticing that the shorter copy, even though we're using conversion campaigns, that shorter copy is resulting in more sales as opposed to the longer copy. All right, and I want to mention something, a tip that we have regarding funnels. When it comes to driving traffic into sales funnels, even if your sales funnel is purely an email funnel, so you don't have any webinars, it's just an email series that is leading to sales, you can and should still include videos within the funnel because videos can really help to build trust with your audience, particularly if the product you're selling is above $50. So if it's a lower price product, then you probably don't need to include videos, although it's definitely worth testing. Anything's worth testing. But if you do have a higher price product that is going to need a little bit more, you know, persuasion, a little more enticing to your audience in order to get them to make that buying decision, then I definitely recommend including video in your funnel so that you can build that relationship. And it doesn't have to be very long. It can be a short video. You can also link to testimonial videos. So just think about how you can strategically use video in your funnels, even if you aren't using like a standard webinar funnel. One of my friends that I was chatting with about his funnel at Podcast Movement last week, he has this six-month funnel where the entry point into the funnel is a webinar. It's a webinar he did live. It converted really well. He put it into an evergreen webinar funnel format. But then after that webinar, if people don't buy, then they have a series of value-added emails. And then a month later, they're invited to attend his next webinar that he did. So he did a bunch of different webinars live on different topics, all related to what his product is about, but he has them broken up 
over this six month period of time and each webinar he gets sales from. So even if people don't buy on that first encounter, that first point in the funnel, or if your funnel is seven days long and they don't buy during that time period, it doesn't mean that they're not going to buy at all. So keep that in mind. You're still building a relationship. It just means that, you know, maybe now is not the right time or maybe they really don't have the money to invest. Maybe they need to get creative and get strategic with coming up with the money in order to invest in your program. So there could just be, you know, other factors that may not have to do with your funnel specifically that could be a reason why somebody didn't buy at this moment in time. It could be, I know I get this a lot and I've experienced this myself, where I've just purchased a program and I'm committed to going through that program so that I can get the most out of it. So while I might be interested in somebody's product right now, I might delay making that purchase decision because I really need to be focusing my time and attention on the program that I just purchased. So I actually implement, follow through, and can get the results that I'm looking for from going through that program. So just keep that in mind that when it comes to funnels, adding video, building the relationship, but then also think about what happens after the funnel. If you've got a seven-day funnel, that's a great start, but think about how you're continuing to build that relationship even after the funnel and just know it might take people several months to make that purchase decision. So even if you're not seeing that immediate return on investment with your ads, it doesn't mean that you won't see it. Another one of my friends at Podcast Movement was telling me, that when he looks at his ads, he consistently runs Facebook ads and Google ads into his sales funnel. And so when he looks at the short-term period of the return on investment for his ads, it doesn't look so great. But when he looks at the return on investment over a 12-month period, he can see that those are ads are paying for themselves and more. He's got a very profitable business, but he can see that it usually is a case where people are coming in through his ads into the funnel, but they don't make that purchasing decision at that moment. But because he's continuing to build the relationship with them, with his audience, then they eventually do make that buying decision. So you might want to look at a longer period of time in order to see the effectiveness of your ad strategy. And just as I mentioned earlier, Think about those multiple touch points that people need. Think about, you know, traditional advertising, traditional marketing with television commercials, print ads. You know, people need lots of different touch points before they usually have built up that trust, before they're usually ready to make that buying decision. So just don't be discouraged if you're not seeing that return on investment right away. One of the biggest mistakes I see when it comes to Facebook ads is that people give up too quickly. So just know that it is an investment in your business. You are building a relationship. You are growing your audience. And so even if the sales aren't coming, you might have some tweaks to make in your funnel, but also you might need to continue to provide consistent content, consistent value after your funnel in order to get people to make that purchasing decision later on. So just know it is worth it. I absolutely love and believe in Facebook and Instagram ads. I hope that you hear that passion in my voice, even though I'm a little croaky, but definitely can take some time in order for you to figure out what works with you and with your audience and things change all the time. But that's why I'm here to keep you updated on what's working now when it comes to Facebook ads. But then also it definitely can pay off in the long run. Okay. So I gave you a lot today. We talked about strategies that are working today. We talked in depth about campaign budget optimization and why you need to pay attention. We talked about targeting. We talked about testing versus scaling. And we talked about creatives that convert and funnels. So I hope you found this helpful. I will do my best to keep you updated on what is working now with Facebook and Instagram ads. And so I wanted to put together this comprehensive overview of this is what we're seeing that is working now. So just take one or two of these strategies and try them with your own ad strategy. If you have more available, you know, more time, more testing, more budget available to test multiple, then I encourage you to do so. But I don't overwhelm you. So I find that just starting with one or two is best place to start. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. You can either comment on the show notes for this episode, monicalouie.com slash 17. Remember, I have all of the 
links and resources there. Or you can reach out to me on Facebook and or Instagram, and I will have the links to my profiles there, but you can find me at Flourish with Monica, either of those places. And if you are ready to get started with Facebook ads and you want to take it step-by-step to create your first or next high converting campaign, then I invite you to check out my free Facebook ad starter kit, which you can find at monicalouie.com slash guide. Now, a lot of what I mentioned with you today is what I cover in my group coaching calls for my program, Flourish with Facebook ads. So if you are ready to dive deeper into more advanced Facebook ad strategy, then I definitely encourage you to check out my program, Flourish with Facebook ads, and you can learn more about that at monicalouie.com slash flourish. So I'm doing a lot of traveling this time of year. I attended FlynnCon and then I went to Podcast Movement. And now I'm getting ready to head to Washington, D.C. for FinCon. So this is my fourth time attending FinCon and it will be my third time speaking. So if you are attending, please say hi if you see me. But I want to give you a couple options where you can be sure to say hi to me. So I am hosting a meetup on Thursday, September 5th at the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf in the Washington Hilton at 5 o'clock Eastern Time, 5 o'clock Eastern Time on Thursday the 5th at the coffee shop. So just find the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf in the Hilton, and that's where I will be on Thursday, September 5th. And then I'm also speaking. My session is Saturday the 7th at 1.30 p.m. So either of those two moments. Otherwise, if you see me just in passing, please say hello. I am the short girl with long brown hair. Um, I'm only five feet tall, so I'm on the shorter end. And uh, just say hello and please introduce yourself. But I'm really excited for FinCon. It's one of my favorite conferences. As I said, this is going to be my fourth time attending. I always have a great time. And now I love going and seeing old friends and meeting new ones. But it's not too late. If you have not grabbed your ticket yet for FinCon, it is not too late. You can still grab your ticket at monicalouie.com slash FinCon19. And yes, that is my affiliate link. But even if I was not an affiliate, even if they didn't even offer an affiliate program, I would still encourage you to attend. It is primarily centered around the money space, but you don't have to be a money blogger in order to attend and have value and to get a lot of great value and meet a lot of great people. So people in the blogging space, and the podcasting space, online media space, go even if they are not in the money space and still find a lot of great value and just make a lot of great friendships. So many great people there. And then also in September... I will be speaking at Brand Accelerator Live. Super excited about this event. My friend Scott Volker from The Amazing Seller is hosting his first event with a lot of incredible speakers, and I am super honored to be one of them. Jamie Masters is keynoting, plus there are a whole bunch of online all-stars speaking like Pat Flynn, Steve Chu, Greg Mercer, and a whole lot more. So that event is September 18th through the 20th in Fort Worth, Texas, and you can learn more at brandaccelerator.live.com. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Next week, I have another awesome interview that I am excited to share with you. My guest is sharing what it takes to build a bigger life. So if that sounds like you and you're ready to build your bigger life, please join us next week on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. Remember, new episodes come out every Thursday. So subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app so you'll be sure to get the next episode as soon as it comes out. All right, that's all for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. 